Hey, what's going on everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Mod Chat. This is Mod Chat episode 58. And in case you do not know, I'm your host, Mr. Mario 2011. In case you don't know about Mod Chat at all, this is a at least monthly podcast series that I like to do in which I like to find a few topics in the modding scenes that I might find interesting and talk about them on here with you all and maybe even do a little bit of a show and tell. You know, we might do that for the first time this episode since the reboot. This did kind of restart in a way because it did have a few iterations, but we are strong on the third episode of this official reboot so far. Now, I did mention this is a podcast and it can be found in several different places. First of all, if you're wanting the visual version of this, you can check out my YouTube channel, Mr. Mario 2011, where it is uploaded right there for all of you to view and enjoy. Or if you want to take this on the go and actually listen to it like, I don't know, a real podcast, you can check it out on many different places. It's available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and most other major podcasting platforms. Just fire up one of your favorite platforms or apps, look up Mod Chat, all one word, and it should be available on there. Now for this episode, I do have a few topics I'm wanting to cover, and one of them will actually be a little bit of fun show and tell, as I said, which is something that I did talk about wanting to do as an example for future episodes of Mod Chat. So let's go ahead and delve right in. For this first topic here, this isn't directly related to modding. However, I figured I should talk about this and maybe to see if anybody who is listening to this or watching this might be able to help out a little bit. Again, it's not directly related to modding, but it is something that is impacting everyone, which is COVID-19 or the coronavirus. For anybody who is watching right now or listening, I hope you are safe and sheltered possibly wherever you are. Even if you're not listening, just I'm wishing the best for everyone in this. But this is one of those circumstances where this is affecting every single person in the world right now. And whether it's affecting you in a major way or a minor way, it is affecting you. And if it hasn't hit you yet, it is going to hit you in some way, whether that be as big as getting the coronavirus, which I hope nobody gets, uh, or as little as maybe you are wanting a game or a book and it's been delayed coming to your house, because that's been happening as well, too. Anyways, I figured I would share this out just to, you know, do what I can with the platform I have here. But this is going to be related to folding apps. This will be linked down below in the description of the YouTube upload of this. But this is going to be folding at home site. And if you're not clicking that link, you can go to foldingathome.org. And in case you do not know what folding at home is, I'm going to do my best to, I guess, TLDR it in a way. Now, imagine any type of medical advancement that needs a lot of resources for research and requires a lot of computing power and a lot of hours of computing power. Typically, in a perfect world, this can all be done using a supercomputer. However, supercomputers are expensive, they take up space, they require maintenance, even if you have a supercomputer cluster. Well, folding at home ends up kind of bringing that over to the consumer side. So if you have a computer or a server that you want to donate your spare CPU cycles to in a way, you can set up folding at home on there, it connects out, and then in that way you are thereby donating your computer's power. So in that way, as opposed to 
a place having a supercomputer locally available, they're able to use the power and have several different computers around the world, thousands of computers that are running, folding at home, do the work. And they just segment out the work in that way. It's a really great idea. It's nothing new. This was actually available on the PS3. There was a folding at home app and it has been deprecated long ago. But if you wanted to, at one point, the PS3 itself was so powerful that you could download a folding at home app, run it on there if you so choose, and you would be able to donate CPU cycles and CPU power and everything to the folding at home project using a consumer grade PS3. And we know about this as well too, because there is of course a few different supercomputer clusters that were out there and some of them might still be running, but point is there has been supercomputer clusters that have been made using PlayStation 3 systems. So now that I've kind of talked about folding at home here, this is where I wanted to show this article again. Coronavirus, what we're doing, and how you can help in simple terms. And I'm going to have this again linked in the description, but the TLDR of this is, we're simulating the dynamics of COVID-19 proteins to hunt for new therapeutic opportunities. Scroll to the bottom of the page to see a list of ways you can help. And here there is a description of what is going on with this, but one of the first options here is downloading Folding at Home and helping us run simulations in the primary way to contribute. These calculations are enormous and every little bit helps. Each simulation you run is like buying a lottery ticket. The more tickets we buy, the better our chances of hitting the jackpot. Usually, your computer will never be idle, but we've had such an enthusiastic response to our COVID-19 work that you will see some intermittent downtime as we sprint to set up more simulations. Please be patient with us. There's a lot of valuable science to be done, and we're getting it running as quickly as we can. There's also two other options. One of them is you can make donations through the Washington University in St. Louis if you want to participate, but you don't want to donate any of your computer's power or server's power, but you still want to make a monetary donation towards research fighting COVID-19 and the coronavirus. And the last thing on here, which I have talked about, is just staying clean just the, the least you can do is wash your damn hands just wash your damn hands people it's it's not hard anyways i'm just doing whatever i can to signal boost this here on the podcast because some people might be doing it and some people might not even know about it and i'm sure there are people watching this who have capable rigs capable servers at home so if i can convince even a small handful of people to run folding at home to participate in research towards fighting the coronavirus I'm happy that I can do that, and I'm happy that you can help progress research on this and help make the world a better place. Now, for anybody who's tired of hearing about the coronavirus, don't worry, we're going to take a break from it, but it's going to come up one more time in this episode. But let's get to the actual modding. And the first thing I want to talk about is a PS4 toolchain that was created by SpectreDev. Now, for anyone who does not know SpectreDev, he is instrumental in assisting and moving the PlayStation 4 modding community forward. He's had work done with the 4.05 exploit, the 4.55 exploit, the 5.05 exploit. What I'm saying is if you have modified your PS4 and you have a jailbreak capable PS4, you are no doubt running some 
some of Spectre Dev's lines of code. He also has several different projects that are in the works, one of them being the PS4 toolchain. And here on Twitter on March 10th, he ended up teasing this by saying, PS4 toolchain at its current stage can now support video out, audio out, free type, and full libc support. This is a video demonstrating all of these pulled directly from the PS4, built without using any Sony software development kit material. So let's go ahead and take a look at this. I am muting this, but I promise that there is music playing in the background. As you can see, this is Payload Loader by Spectre. It has a local IP address on here over port 9030, and it says executing payload here, executing, executing payload, executed, and there's just payloads that are being run and executed on here. So a simple program, but a program nonetheless, and the big thing is with this is that it's been built by the PS4 toolchain that is currently in development without using any type of Sony code which is big and important for the community here. Now, in addition to that, he's also said header is PNG, other text is free type, and audio is a signed 16-bit PCM wave. Now, Wololo had ended up asking here, this is still in a private repo, correct? Or am I just blind? And to this, Spectre ended up saying, still need a few things up and stable before public release, but it's not too far away. So this is just something exciting to look forward to, and very much a thing of when it's ready, it's ready. It's one of those things where I know people like to meme on the PS4 community and say, oh, the modding community on here is dead, but no, it really isn't. There's a lot of stuff being worked on in the background to really have a solid initial release. They don't just want to release little things and bits and pieces and such. And I believe it was Spectre before who even spoke about the 5.05 jailbreak, and that's been the main point of contingency, where people have said, hey, why don't we get a exploit on a newer firmware? And Spectre had essentially said, we need to build up 5.05 first. We have released in quick succession 4.05, 4.55, 5.05, and there was really nothing of significance that came out of them. So we need to really work on solidifying 5.05, building up all the toolkits, building up everything as best as we can. So this way 5.05 can be a kick-ass firmware to be on and it'll have everything we need. And then once we have an extremely solid foundation, you work on getting that ported towards higher firmwares. But speaking of higher firmwares, there's something I want to talk about here as well too, from the flow of all people. In case you don't know who the flow is, you might not follow the PS Vita community specifically, and he's done work all over the place, but in case you don't know, he has done a lot of work for the PlayStation Vita community. On Twitter, same day, on March 10th, he ended up saying, somebody want to donate me a 6.20 firmware PS4? On March 11th, he said, also, please don't update past firmware 6.20 if you want a K exploit, which is what people are wanting. And on March 13th, he said, I didn't have any vulnerabilities when I wrote that. Now I have. Three days later. <laughs> also, in addition to this, a big shout out to QWERTY here, who in case you do not know, he was the main person responsible for handing over and releasing a 5.05 jailbreak. The 5.05 jailbreak that everyone uses now is really mainly thanks to QWERTY, not only working on that, but releasing it. But either way, he also said here, all right, my man, QWERTY has me one. So there we go. We have some good confirmation. And look, this is also one of those things where PS4 
firmwares have been confirmed to be exploited with kernel exploits in private. So 5.05 is not the final or latest firmware that was exploited. There are kernel exploits available for higher firmwares, or I guess discovered, but they're not publicly available. They're all only available in private to a select amount of developers and reverse engineers and all that stuff. They're not publicly available is what I am saying here. So why am I talking about the flow in regards to this? Well, this is big where not only we have somebody who has done a whole lot of work and really helping to revive the PlayStation Vita community and keep everything up to date and all that, but there's also a better chance of something releasing for 6.20 PS4s. So, if you have a PlayStation 4 and a PS4 console on firmware 6.20 or lower, do not update your system. Now, if you're somebody who you have a 5.05 or even a 5.07 PS4, just stay on there. You're good. You're happy. Everything's working on there just fine. But if you're in anything between that, so if you're on 5.55, if you're on 6.0, if you're on 6.2 here, just be patient. Keep your PS4 and let's see what happens here. That is what I have to stress to everyone. And for anybody who might not think that anything is going to release from this, there's been nothing confirmed. I, I understand that. But at the same time, you can just look at the Flow's track record. Uh, this man has been responsible for Adrenaline, for example, which Adrenaline completely unlocks the EPSP on PS Vita and PS TV systems. He's been responsible for, at the time, 3.60 was the firmware you had to be on for your Vita to modify it with Henkaku and such. He was responsible for creating a updater which would get you safely updated from 3.60 to 3.65 so that you can still have your modified Vita and be on a later firmware to play newer games and to also get online Although that's really deprecated now because you can firmware spoof, but he was responsible for that, which was big at the time. On top of that, he also ended up releasing H Encore, which worked on firmwares 3.65, 3.67, and 3.68. He ended up working on Trinity, and he released that, which worked for firmware 3.70. And he also ended up working on and releasing H Encore 2 or H Encore Squared, which right now is the most current and highest supported modification for the Vita. So right now, thanks to the flow, you can go out, you can get a PlayStation TV, a Vita TV, a PlayStation Vita, and as long as you have all the proper stuff, you can connect, fully update it, and modify it thanks to this guy here. So in short, what I'm saying here is don't worry if the flow is teasing something, it's going to be something good, just looking at his track record and of course the work he's done in the PlayStation Vita community. Next up, I want to provide a update in regards to Team Executor for SX Core and SX Lite, and here goes another month of covering Switch topics, but this is going to be the only Switch topic we're going to be talking about here. So from Team Executor themselves, they're saying, hello friends, just a little update before more precise information is released next week. First, as you can guess, we are suffering some delays due to the coronavirus pandemic. Closed or requisitioned factories, unavailable or inflated components, prices, etc. We unfortunately are much behind schedule. But good news, the situation is getting better and we will start taking pre-orders next week and ship the review test samples in the following days. 
To give a loose schedule, after the review samples are tested, we will probably need little time to finalize the SX Core and SX Lite and start mass production and ship to vendors so they can fulfill pre-orders. We are ready, again, the delay is only due to current situation, which is slowly getting back to normal at our production site. Both SX Core and SX Lite will come with an included SXOS license. As with SX Pro, custom firmware will also be supported. That's it for now. Stay tuned for more news, information, and pre-orders next week. Until then, this is their new thing here I noticed, Team Executor modding, cracking, and rocking your Switch in 2020 and beyond. So I'm bringing this up to provide a bit of an update, you know, since I brought this topic up here last episode, and this confirms one thing for me. I had said last episode that yes, I understand overall in the community, a lot of people dislike Team Executor for various different reasons, and kind of the overall consensus is SXOS bad, Team Executor bad, However, I had said in that last episode, episode 57, that this is just going to be SX Core and SX Lite. They are supposed to go internally in a Switch. And it looks like they're going to be solder-based. I'm Maybe they'll release solderless versions, but it's not going to be the dongle-type injector like we saw with the SX Pro dongle. The big thing with this, in case you do not know, is right now, currently, you can only run SXOS and really most modifications. Yeah, I know there's some little iffy different examples out there, like Pegaswitch and a few others. I don't remember the other one right now off the top of my head. But point is, the overall consensus is that you can only modify a switch that has not had its eye patches updated. So you cannot modify the the switch light. You cannot modify the Mariko models. And after a certain manufacture date, you cannot modify those switches. So you have to look for a switch which was produced prior to let's say June or July of 2018, which isn't that hard to find, but still, there are a lot of switches out there that are not exploitable. Now, yes, this is mainly for SXOS. This is going to be a device that you install in, you know, a switch light such as one of these right here, and then you'll be able to run SXOS. But it was mentioning there, custom firmware will also be supported. And that's what I said last episode. I said that, yeah, this is probably going to be reverse engineered shortly after it's released, and there's going to be open source versions of this internal payload injector. That's what I'm going to call it here. But there's, I'm sure there's going to be open source reverse engineered solutions for this. But if you are impatient, you can purchase one of these. You'll then end up purchasing a SXOS license, so you'll be able to use SXOS. But this confirms what I was thinking, where I said other payloads can be run on this, and I'm sure there's going to be options that will allow you to reflash this with a different payload, or load up other payloads, and then you can boot up another custom firmware, mainly Atmosphere, because you're really going to be using Atmosphere with a bunch of different patches thrown in, or you're going to be using SXOS, which is... Okay, I'm going to meme a little bit. It's it's pretty much Atmosphere just rebranded with XCI loading and some USB stuff, so a few other things. But either way, this does confirm what I was thinking in the last episode. Um, the downside to this, though, 
This news article was posted March 13th, and by the time this video is going out, it's going to be April 1st. Now, I am recording it a little bit before then, but it is long after next week, and we haven't heard any update, so... I think it's safe to say that the coronavirus is impacting production more than Team Executor would like to admit here. So let's talk about some PS3 news because there's been another big development in the PS3 scene. Now, this is from one of the team members of PS3 Exploit, and this article was posted on PSX Place by the owner STL Cards WS. And it's called Introducing the PS3 Toolset by B. Gerville a powerful collection of tools fueled by new PS3 exploit. Now, as the article says here, you may recall a recent article revealing a few exclusive screenshots of B. Gerville's latest project. Now the time has come to introduce the next evolution in PS3 jailbreaking solutions. The PlayStation 3 toolset by B. Gerville is a new suite of tools built upon new PS3 exploitation framework and fueled by a new exploit discovered on the PS3 by the developer. The new exploit and the toolset project as a whole is compatible with all PS3 models running 4.82 through 4.85 official firmware, hybrid firmware, custom firmware. Now, the big thing I noticed with this is that it was mentioned OFW, HFW, CFW, and there was no specific mention of saying for 4.84 or 4.85, you have to be on a hybrid firmware. And this, to me, does confirm that this is indeed using a new exploit for anybody who does not know. Using Team PS3 Exploits tools, previously they were working on PS3 firmware 4.82, and they were WebKit-based and then that was patched in firmware 4.83. However, on 4.84 as well as 4.85, what they ended up doing was they created something called a hybrid firmware, which was a mostly stock firmware. In short, depending on which one you use, I'll use 4.85 in this case, it was firmware 4.85 with the WebKit from 4.82 integrated into it. So you were using a up-to-date firmware with a outdated WebKit, so that way you could still use their tools and such. However, this has been confirmed to work on official firmware and custom firmware, which many custom firmwares are not going to have the 4.82 WebKit integrated within them. So that's why this is really big. Also, it's a really cool tool, and let's get into some show and tell. We can just check it out right here. So just to show this here, I am going to be running this on my 4.85 HFW Super Slim PS3, so I'm not going to have the full access to the toolset here, unfortunately. However, what we can do is go over to, let's see, PS3 Exploit Home. And this is just a system that has the latest PS3 hen on it. It's going to take me here to the PS3 Exploit website, and if we go up here to BG Toolset, we can go to the main site. Now, just as a heads up, you'd also need to go into your tools here. You need to make sure cookies are allowed. You need to make sure JavaScript is allowed. And before the first time you run this, I would also recommend deleting cookies, deleting search history, deleting cache, deleting authentication information, just so you have as much of a clean base of a browser as you can on here. 
Either way, I have run this exactly one time prior on this system, just so I can have, you know, some of the things cached in regards to the toolset. But what I'm going to do is go over to BG Toolset, Main Site, and sometimes it may take a few tries to load. And here's the other thing, when it says, do you want to run the plugin, you need to say yes to this. And now we just need to wait here. You might have heard my PS3 beep, and it says exploit initialization complete, toolset ready. The first time you run this on your system, it is going to take a lot longer than it did for me right here. Uh, just because you need to end up caching all the tools and such on here. But I've already done that just to keep this a little bit more concise. What I am going to do is I'm just going to close out the original window so we can pay more attention to this. Now, just a few notes here. It says here on the welcome screen, the PS3 Toolkit is a repository project for tools built upon my latest PS3 Exploitation Framework version 4. More tools should be added to this repository with time. I hope you enjoy using them as much as I enjoy making them. So the cool thing is, in a way, this is kind of like saying this is PS3 Exploit version 4. So here, there's also some more information saying, you're free to use the tools in this project at your own risk. Keep in mind that no official support is provided. If you experience any kind of problem and find yourself in need of help, I strongly recommend that you turn to the PS3 exploit subform on psxplace.com for support and guidance. You do need to use Flash Player 9 for this. You can also, in regards to that last, you know, page we saw there where it was asking to run a plug plugin, you can say, do not display again. I opted to not do that just because I wanted to show you all bringing that up here. And it's also recommended here to adjust your console's time, so the time is going to be accurate on this. Now, looking in the minimum requirements, we can see here that this is working on all firmwares 4.82 through 4.85. Again, which is fantastic. There's no specific thing saying we need to be on a retail firmware, a custom firmware, a hybrid firmware, and it even works on CEX or DEX. So that's retail or developer which is fantastic. So let's go ahead and take a look at some of the features here, which there's mainly two of them, but I'm going to look at the second one first, which is the Flash Memory Manager. So once you come here, it just downloads a tool. Check this out, extracting data from the flash memory. Please wait. Now the IDPS does display on here by default, and I did choose to hide it. So you can just go over here, press X, and you can toggle this. Just for the sake of this video though, and for safety, I ended up blocking it here, but it will show it regularly. So this is all accurate here. The eMMC is 256 megabytes because I'm on a super slim. Because I'm on a super slim, that is my minimum firmware version. Number of sectors, got some hashes for my ROS Bank 0 and ROS Bank 1. And this is the really cool thing as well too. You can actually flash your memory here. So as opposed to the regular flash dumper and flash writer, you can do everything in here. Let me actually show you those other tools real quick. So typically, if you want to go through the process of jailbreaking your PS3, you need to first install hybrid firmware, and then you need to go over to, where is it, the flash dumper, and you can say dump flash to USB, for example, and I would say eMMC, you press OK right there, and here you need to select everything, initialize, and then you need to dump to whatever device you're dumping to. 
Now that works out easy enough. The next step after verifying would be to go to the flash writer, pick whatever you need here. So even though neither of these are going to work on this or you shouldn't use them, you pretty much need to go to this page for the flasher. You need to select where your flash file is going to be initialize your exploit, and then patch it. Now, this process works extremely well, but it's a little bit manual. You do need to do MD5 checks of your files, your patches, all that fun stuff. And right now, if I wanted to brick my system, I could take a flash dot, the, the flash hex file here and flash it to this system and then restart it and it would brick this system. So PS3 exploits tools are extremely reliable, but you do need to take several different things into account. You need to check warnings, you need to verify files, do all that fun stuff. The tool set from what I see ends up resolving a lot of that and automates a lot of things or at least makes it easier. So going back here, let me go ahead and go to the tool set again, open this up because I kind of went on that tangent here. Let's wait for this to load. There we go. All right, so I'll come over here. Just for the view, I want to do maximum size on this. So again, if we come here to the Flash Memory Manager, one nice thing is right here, I can come in, and if I want to modify my PS3, first of all, I don't even need to install hybrid firmware. I can just do this. I can update my system to 4.85, and start doing this immediately. So I can come right here, go to flash memory, save flash memory backup. And here I just need to select where it's gonna be. So let me go into dev USB or dev HDD zero. I will put it in the package directory, why not? And I'll hit save. And I have never dumped a NAND or eMMC using this. So let's just see about how long this is going to take. And wow, that's actually dumping pretty fast so far. My only experience has been I have another system. I have a PS3 3000 model, uh, which is also using PS3 HIN, and that has a 16 megabyte flash on it. And it took like five, six seconds, something like that to dump. So let's just go ahead and wait for this to finish. And we're almost done. Let's see, this is... Wow, this is record time right here. So it took exactly one minute, 35 seconds to end up dumping my onboard flash from the Super Slim onto the local hard drive itself. Now I can close this. I can also go over to the log and it shows all the log right here. If I want to check that out, that's really awesome. That's fast. So that's about all I can do on here. But then if I wanted to modify my system, I'd be able to, of course, dump the memory there. And then it'd be encouraged to check your dump that way on a computer using PyPS3 Checker. Assuming everything is fine right there, you could then flash your memory patch, allowing you to modify the system. Once that's flashed, you can then dump the memory one more time, check that again, and then you'd be able to restart your system and install a custom firmware on here. So it would just make it a lot easier and dare I say even faster on this. One nice thing I also like is right here, there is FMM strict mode on. And this is really important. So this is going to idiot proof this for a lot of people. And this is actually explained down here in tips. Always keep FMM strict mode on. Strict mode off is only for developers wishing to use their own custom patches. Strict mode off will let you patch the flash memory with any file regardless of its detected validity, you have been warned. So that's another thing as well too, when you're doing this, 
you'll even be able to verify the file itself that you're flashing over, which is really cool. So this is just going to make everything super dummy proof on here. And really, if this is used going forward to modify and jailbreak PS3s, if you end up messing up your system, it is 150% your fault. This tool is really great so far. So I can't go any further because of the system I'm on, plus I really don't want to brick this. But you can also go to the memory editor here. So let's check this out. Here it's just going to do its magic for a bit. Mapping SPRX modules segments. Please wait. See about how long this is going to take. I haven't tried this on the Super Slim at all. Oh, it's done. I also like the trophy sounds that it has in the background. I'm not sure if you all can hear them, but right here you have a live memory editor that you can do everything on just within the browser itself. This is really cool. So I don't know all too much on this, but let's go like Silk WebKit, for example. I'll hit go to, and here we go. And if you want to check anything else like how about, oh yeah, lib mp3 dec, checking this one out here, there you go. So this is going to be a lot more viable to other people who are going to know what they're doing with this as opposed to myself, but this is really cool being able to edit the memory and view it in real time here on the browser, or well, maybe not specifically real time, but you understand what I mean. So those are the two features that you have here. Another one is the logs. And this isn't directly a feature, it's more just logs, or actually, I take that back. If you come over here, you can enable debugging over UDP, and it gives you this port. So if you want to debug this directly, you can do this here, which is really cool for anybody who's looking to do that. Also, I have yet to try this, but let's try and change one of the themes. So I'll come over here, let's, how about hot sneaks? I don't know what that is. Let's see what this is going to be. Is it? Is it taking it? There we go. Oh, okay, that's that's interesting. All right. So this is about how it looks. Cool. So there we go. That is just a very quick look at PS3 toolset. Awesome job so far. This is really awesome to see. I do want to try to jailbreak a PS3 from scratch and see how good this is going to be. Uh, right now, I know on PS3 exploit site, they still have all the other tools available, uh, but I can totally foresee them pushing this as the mainstay and really making this the tool set that you should be using going forward here in the near future. Now, for anybody who might be a PS3 HIN user who is wondering about this as well, I do want to note on here as STL Cards WS said, note that the PS3 toolset does not feature PS3 HIN. B. Gareville declared having his own plans for a HIN style solution. And the last thing here, which is important to note in case anybody's wanting to play around with this further or tinker with it or really look at the source on here, no local offline version is planned and the source code will remain closed for the time being. So unlike all the other tools that are available, this one is closed source. Now next up, let's talk about an old friend here, the original Xbox. So. This was just shown to me at the time of recording this. This was just thrown at me, and it was interesting to see. Now, going back a little bit, this has probably been at least a couple years at this point. There was a homebrew Xbox Live project that was being created. And in case you do not know, Xbox Live for the original Xbox is dead. 
Xbox Live for original Xbox games is dead, meaning that you cannot officially play online with an original Xbox console or on an Xbox 360, original Xbox games that have Xbox Live compatibility, and the same thing on an Xbox One. Yes, you can play original Xbox games on there, but if they have Xbox Live compatibility, it has either been disabled in the case of the Xbox One, or on the Xbox 360 and original Xbox, you just can't access because the service itself has been deprecated. This was years and years ago that this ended up happening. However, there was a project to bring a homebrew version of it online, which when I had Devin on here, we ended up covering in a couple of episodes. One of them, we were just taking a look at a video that had released showing that you were able to do a test connection on an original Xbox to Xbox Live, and then another one where I had Kiwi on where he kind of just gave an update on the project and essentially said, hey, I held on to the code. I didn't really work on it. It's been passed on to other people. I don't know what's going on at this point. So imagine my surprise when I ended up seeing this right here. This is Noble Live, the ultimate homebrew original Xbox Live replacement, and there's only two articles on this right now, and since they're sure enough, we're going to look at the both of them. Now, this was posted on March 27th. Welcome to Noble Live the ultimate homebrew original Xbox Live replacement. This is not a stealth service, and this will not allow you to connect to the Xbox Live retail network. However, this is a work-in-progress live replacement. Currently, it is centered around the Xbox original, with additional plans in the future to support the Xbox 360 Live functionality. You can also find a repository with the source code available at this location. Warning, this is by no means complete, and there is zero guarantee that I, myself, or the team will get the Xbox Live service running. We will try our best. For those interested in contributing to the project, please join the Xbox Live Homebrew Discord. And of course, there are links here for the Discord and the GitHub. Now, this was the interesting piece to me that got thrown across my desk. Xbox Live Max Revival Demonstration posted on March 28th. This is a work-in-progress video demonstrating the efforts to revive the machine account creation service for the original Xbox Live. If you are interested in contributing to the project, please join the Noble Live Discord and contact one of our developers today. And there's a GitHub link as well as a Discord link. Now let's take a look at this video. So looking at the video, this is only 44 seconds. It's going to be a quick watch and unfortunately there's not all too much that is happening, at least visually. I can kind of explain what's going on here, but in the background, you have the source code for the project that is running within Visual Studio. On the left, you have the original Xbox dashboard running within an emulator. And on the right, you have the Xbox Live Max server service running here. So let's go ahead and run this. They're in network settings. They're going to connection. The cable is detected as connected. We are seeing auto detecting right here. So let's give this a few seconds. I'll kind of scroll through the video because this does take some time. So here we go, just jumping a bit forward. There we go. We have some cross-communication happening between the console, wrapped in quotes because it's emulated, as well as the Max server. So it goes next to auto-detecting here, and unfortunately that's the last step that we see within this video itself. So there we go, we have some more communication going on, and even if you scroll to the end of the video, that's about it that's happening right here. So we have some progress with Max that's going on, which is really cool. 
So it looks like the main person who is working on this is a user by the name of ZZ Vertigo. And if you're interested in checking out and following this project, I will have the Noble Live link down below in the description of the YouTube upload. So at the end of these episodes of Mod Chat, I'd like to see if I can continue doing this going forward. I'd like to pick something that I've seen that might just be really cool or lighthearted or funny. And it could either be directly related to modding or it can be something that is just really cool that I think modders would enjoy checking out. And for this episode, I have two instances like this. I guess I could save one for the next episode, but why bother doing that? I'll entertain you all with two of them for the end of this episode. Uh, first of them, though, is a pretty big development, I would say, although it is funny. Here we go. You can now watch SpongeBob SquarePants on your N64. This is an article that was written by Martin Watts over at N64 Today, and at first I was thinking, oh, okay, maybe there was some kind of... SpongeBob SquarePants game prototype that was uncovered on the Nintendo 64, but no, these here are actually screenshots of SpongeBob SquarePants episodes running on a N64 ROM and captured off of an N64. So these episodes were actually, okay, that's <laughs> I guess they are ported. These episodes were actually ported by Crash Override, who has done work with the N64 decompilation team, and I've mentioned them here on the podcast before. They are also the same person behind GoldenEye with Sonic characters, apparently, but there are currently seven episodes available, and you can run them using a flash cart on a original Nintendo 64. Now, apparently, Crash Override did have to tackle some hefty challenges to get SpongeBob SquarePants to work on the N64, as stated here. It's also mentioned, and given each episode is around 32 megabytes in size and includes full audio, it's quite the accomplishment. Let's see what was going on here. So this started off by Crash Override posting on Twitter. Here it is, 77 more minutes of SpongeBob on N64, thanks to GTM5471 for console video slash image. And right here, you can see a ED64 Plus, which is a clone EverDrive, playing a episode of SpongeBob SquarePants off of a ROM that is loaded onto its SD card. This is posted on Reddit by Crash Override himself on the N64 subreddit, and he answers a few questions. How is this even possible? The N64 SDK includes an FMV framework called HVQM, developed around 1998. It is capable of full color FMV and it can get very small for some videos. Was it hard to do? Did it take very long creating this? Answering both in one question. The HVQM2 Inc. encoder is absolute dog shit. It is very slow, and I'm rocking a Core i7. It also has a weird frame limit of around 1500 frames. As a result, the video was encoded at 10 FPS in seven parts. Then I used a Python script made by Zoinkitty to merge the parts together into one HVQM file. Then I compiled it with the pre-made sample code. Encoding took around an hour in total. Why are there two files in the zipped download? There are two frame buffer options in the encoder, 16-bit RGBA and 32-bit RGBA. The 32-bit has more color depth, but I can't really tell the difference. I bundled both for the user to decide. So there we go. Thanks to this man here, Crash Override. We can watch episodes of SpongeBob SquarePants natively on the N64. I, like, this is, <laughs> this is hilarious. 
this is cool this is impressive all in one go and this is one of those things people might ask why and the answer is because we technically can <laughs> so i have one more thing i like to talk about here as well and this is going to be not really news related but this is just something i want to talk about so look i've been interested in the psp here all over again the psp is not only one of my all-time favorite consoles i would say it is my favorite handheld the psp is responsible for a lot of what you see on the channel if you would all enjoy my modding content you have to thank this guy right here well not this specific psp my original psp is actually back there on the table which you might be able to see but either way i've been in the psp all over again there is going to be some new content that will be coming out this month for the psp so be on the lookout for that but upon looking up a few things i was needing a screenshot of the psp x and b and i ended up finding a pretty good one and then i noticed that it was from a edu address so i was wondering what was going on here and then i ended up looking at the web page and i scrolled and i was a little bit impressed and then i ended up laughing and my jaw dropped and i thought this was amazing i never thought i was going to ever reference a university page but this is western kentucky university good old wku who i have never heard of until now but they have a web page here on their information technology services section and this is sony playstation psp console information gathering the mac address and for here what i can assume to the best of my you know educated assumption and ability here is that they are probably utilizing a service you know uh, online within their network where you have to whitelist any hardware that you want to take on your network which probably of course includes a psp so i'm sure this page is extremely old but most of the time universities like this if they have a setup like this going on you need to provide a mac address of your console of your laptop of your desktop of your phone whatever it is you need to provide that mac address and then they will whitelist on their end so therefore you can get past the firewall and you're good to go to connect online so check this out i mean it's a good tutorial here turn on the psp and go to the main menu scroll to the settings menu on the left side of the main menu scroll down until you reach the system information option and then select it inside the system information menu is the console's mac address now i'm thinking this has probably been set up by a student worker or something because one th this page looks really old to me like the formatting like look at this i i, I can imagine the photo should be like underneath the numbers or to the right like right justified uh, but i'm sure just their website's been updated so many times and this page still works but it just hasn't been fully updated uh plus the other thing you know the consoles mac address that it doesn't have the apostrophe the reason why i found this to be really funny though is look at this last screenshot system software 6.35 pro <laughs> They used a modified PSP running 6.35 Pro custom firmware to generate the screenshots needed for this. This is, this made, I mean, this is still making me smile right now. I just, I'm so happy looking at this. <laughs> now, when I brought this up on Twitter, it was brought up to me. You can't take screenshots natively on the PSP. You need a custom firmware to do that, which I completely forgot about because I've been rocking 
custom firmware consistently since 2006, 2000, no, 2007, excuse me. So everything just kind of blends together in what I'm expecting to be there and what is really there and what's supported and what's not. Um, but either way, so I understand it's a lot better than, you know, just taking a screenshot of the PSP screen itself here, not screenshot, but like taking a horrible grainy photo and cropping it of the PSP screen. This looks infinitely better, but I just find that so funny. Custom firmware was used for the greater good at Western Kentucky University. Good job, you all. Like, this is this is awesome. <laughs> Anyways, that's about it for this episode of Mod Chat. I hope you all really enjoyed it. If you are wanting to check out the video version of this and you're an audio listener, again, it's going to be uploaded on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel. And if you are a visual watcher and you want a MP3 version available on the go, just check out ModChat on any of your favorite podcasting platforms or apps. It's available. On, it's not available on all of them, but it's available on most of them. And one thing I like to do, I like to pick a keyword or a phrase of some kind. And if you all use this in the comments of the video upload, so if you come over to the YouTube upload and you use this word in a comment, I will know you made it to the end of this episode. And you know what? For, for Kentucky here... How about Kentucky? If you use the word Kentucky in your comment, I will know that you made it to the end of this episode. Anyways, this is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for watching and listening, everyone. And until next episode.